Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. That's nearly midnight. Three, two, here she goes. This is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings-on of Ambridge. It's P&Q here, Philippa Hall, making my grand entrance on the back of a flatbed truck. And Quentin Rayner, just grateful if we were actually paid in flapjacks and drizzle cake for this nonsense. And spilling gossip out of thin air, there's you lot, our loose-tongued, lovely Dumpty Dummers. This week's wonderful, amazing Dumpty Dum New Year tune is from our Stephen. Stephen, they just get better and better. You ought to bring out an album. Yeah, yes! Uh, Spotify playlist next, I think. Mm, yes. Plus, brilliant. we are lucky enough to hear thoughts from Rob, God's Godmere, Catherine, formerly cycling Christine, Bernadette, Witherspoon, Claire from Clapham, Emily from Canada, Charles, plus a tweet of the week, Facebook roundup, predictions for next week, and another Dumpty Book Dumb. So, 
Quentin, Happy New Year! How are you? Happy New Year to you as as well, Philippa. Um, I'm 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 okay. I'm, I'm still complete in body and soul. Um, <laughs> I've had quite an active week. Um, I have done ten pin bowling. I was hopeless in the first round, victorious in the second. Changed my technique. <laughs> Played squash for the first time in ages, uh, and walked up Mam Tour in the Peak District with my daughter. Uh, and um, it was a tad windy up there. I, I, I sent you a video. I mean, you did. It's it was extraordinary. Like stationary parachuting. It was that. Yeah. St- the wind. I mean, it blew me off the top, and you could just lean into it. It was absolutely exhilarating. So, so that was fun. Um, but uh, I think my year has been made already this year, uh, Philippa. This morning on the tweet along, mm. um, Kerry Davis praised one of my tweets. I thought it was a good one, though, Quentin, I have to say. Are you going to tell everybody what that tweet was? Well, if if you insist, uh, I said said this, that uh, Harrison plunging into the river confirms the production is an am-dram. It is very good and lovely that Kerry uh, saw it. I was chaffed. Yes, but I, I, I smell the down, down the line, the waft of Albus oil. <laughs> why, why do I smell that? Yes, that's because Philippa is with cold at the moment. It's terribly sad. Not COVID, fortunately, um, but still a, a nice heavy cold. And I have doused myself in so much Albus oil for, to record this that actually I think my eyeballs are melting at this <laughs> point. So let, let's hope I can keep <laughs> keep seeing things till, till the end of this. But it, it, it doesn't matter, Quentin, because... While I might feel that I need a bit of perking up, not only are we recording Dumpty Dum today, there's something very exciting happening next week. There is. We have a huge guest on on Dumpty Dum next week, don't we, Philippa? We 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 really do. We need a big drum roll here. Yes. We have booked no less than... (laughs) Go on, say it, say it. Stephen Fry. It's so exciting. He's coming on on Dumpty Dum. Yeah, amazing. And it's down to you, Quentin, so... Well done. Well, it was one of those chance meetings, and I, I, I screwed my courage up, and I stopped him in, stopped him as he's walking past me. I introduced myself, and because uh, we, he's a he's a big Archers fan, isn't he? Mm. And um, we got chatting and talk, talk about the Archers, and I said, "Any chance of you coming on?" And he said, "Yeah, all right." And so he's coming on. So um, yes, so we're recording him on Thursday, aren't we? Yes, uh, from LA, and. Um, We'll have more details later on, but uh, there you go. Stephen Fry on Dumpty Dum next week. It's going to be very exciting indeed. But, Quentin, this is the second week of you having a break from writing the script about what's gone on in Ambridge. Hallelujah. Yeah, roll on next week, please. Please come back, script. Anyway, so we are relying, unfortunately, on our brain cells to cover what's gone on in Ambridge this week. So just like last week, I've got the mini blurb that the BBC put out for each episode to help guide us to recap this. So Sunday, the blurb says this, Susan's got the wrong end of the stick and Usha's feeling mischievous. Yeah, this is the whole whole mix-up, isn't it? between the, the the village and uh, Alan and Usha's disappearance and uh, oh, they split up, how could she leave him over Christmas? And uh, we had that wonderful line from Usha putting Susan in a place about uh, people spilling gossip out of thin air and all that. So we all thoroughly enjoyed that and they were all looking back on the, on the, uh, the triumph of the nativity. 
Yes, well, I've got a lot to say about the Usha Susan thing, but I will bite my tongue for now and save it for when when we get the calls in. But uh, yes, it was Susan doing her grand entrance, Salieri making her great entrance as well, and the after-show party indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Monday's blurb, Jennifer receives a post-Christmas bonus while Harrison's getting cold feet. Post-Christmas bonus? What the... (laughs) I suppose Shall it was I... R- Rory took Exactly, it, it? it was the phone call. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yes. Um, yeah, Rory returns. And my God, what havoc he, he wreaked later in, in, in the week. <laughs> I've got a note here saying uh, there's a bit of a dancing theme as well, wasn't there? There was salsa and there was also a reference to Mike being um, Bridges yes. and Beck. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, so Rory returns and he actually... Jenny concedes that Alice didn't get it entirely wrong uh, and she was devastated and furious about Brian having a son with Siobhan. Rory equally says he understands that. Uh, it's why he felt like the cook in the nest. Uh, it just struck, just struck straight to the heart of that when Alice said what she said to him and he said, I felt like my whole world had been destroyed. So there was a bit of um, honesty between those two, but uh, ooh, it was setting it up for a big one, wasn't it? Well, we'll, none of us will look at a mushroom omelette the same way now, will we, after all of that? But anyway. If you say say so. Tuesday, Kirsty has another cross to bear and someone's flashing the cash. Yeah, this is the wobbly cross, wasn't it? Uh, And also (laughs) buttressing um, poor old Harrison, uh, getting wobbly on his wobbly cross. Uh, But you'd think they'd tee up the fact that Mike Tucker returned. Yes. He was back. Oh, wonderful. Well, we mustn't say what we with think. With his 4B2s yes. and 4B1s. <laughs> so that was, that was great. Um, and and the presents uh, oh, Rory gave to Ben and Beth. Yeah, track day and then all the others that came spinning out of him during the yes. week. Oh, very, yes. Very, very, very dodgy. Yeah. Where's he getting um, this cash? There's more. Wednesday, like. Alice gets a rude awakening while Alan opens Harrison's eyes. Well, the second point, Alan has a chat, doesn't he? He... Um, reassures Harrison that he can play Jesus. Hmm. Uh, we have calls on that. Oh, yes. Uh, what's the first thing? Alice gets a rude awakening. Yes. Come oh. on, you know. Yes, well, 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 he just big... lays, in, lays into her and says he hasn't forgiven her. And what do you think? Yes. Uh, what you said to me that day was literally unforgivable, is the classic quote. Um, so, yeah, that was... Uh, uh, and I got you the travel, effectively, effectively trying to banish her from Ambridge. It's a, it's a travel mm. voucher to get you away. And what was it, a one-way travel voucher? <laughs> that, that he didn't say. But Thursday, there's a girls' night out for Ruth, but the celebrations are over for Alice. I mean, I have to say, that made me think she was going to get back on the drink, which she mm. didn't do. But, uh, yes, yeah. Ruth, Ruth has friends. Well, she's got... She's, she's got like two! Up she's overflow got two friends! Two. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I, I was a bit... You know, that when they're having the drinks at the end, were they actually at the salsa evening by then? No, I thought they'd met for drinks before. Right, because they said they were going to meet up for a salsa evening and then suddenly they were all together and I wasn't sure if they, that was the dance night, but it was just... Yeah, a, normally when you do something like that, you meet up for a drink before So that's before you the, the drink, the, before the yeah. dancing, right, yeah. That was it in my yes. mind, anyway. Um, we got the old Usha back, didn't we? I thought. Um, well, again, there are mm. there are calls. Let's let's yeah. bide our time. Um, but but uh, bravo, but, Kerry Davis, for the week. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and finished off with those the classic line Alice telling her mum there's nothing to worry about which of course we know is <laughs> yes. completely the opposite but uh, <laughs> yes yeah, she, she tried to get um, Rory's forgiveness right at the end and he refused so yeah it's, it's not looking good at, uh, at home farm so while normal service will be resumed next week, this is a New Year special. And where would a special episode be without a quiz? Yes, we're thrilled to have Kate Crichton back uh, for a second time, second and final time for a New Year version of her Twitter famous quiz. Kate Crichton, thank you so much for, for coming back on and Happy New Year to you, I should say. And very happy new year to you as well. And, and Quentin, to you too. <laughs> and thank you for having me back. Yeah. Our pleasure, our pleasure, because um, um, I excelled so so well on the Christmas quiz, Kate, that I've, I've come back for more punishment. <laughs> Obviously, this will stretch the, the, the finest of minds. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's another 10 questions, isn't it? 10 New and, Year questions, um, yeah. So shall we, shall we start, Kate? Absolutely. Question one. Right, question one. Which family completed a house move in time for New Year 2019? Which family completed a house move in time for New Year 2019? By the way, when I'm saying New Year 2019, I mean the January was 2019. Three years ago. Yes, correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. What came to earth with a bang at New Year 2011? New Year 2011, what came to earth with a bang? And uh, question number three. Question three. At New Year's Eve ball, which was in December 2014, Helen was stunned to see which couple kissing. So Helen saw a, a couple kissing at the New Year's Eve ball, which was December 2014. Which couple? Right. And question number question four. four. What emergency surgery did Helen need at New Year 2011? Personality. <laughs> <laughs> New Year 2011, uh, Helen needed emergency surgery. What, yeah. what did she need? This is just going to be a guess, I'm afraid. I reckon personality deserves a bonus point. And I do give bonus points. if, um, some, if uh, Sometimes, yes, if an answer has made me laugh, um, a, a bonus point follows. I heard a definite chuckle there from Edinburgh. <laughs> oh, don't give it to him, Kate. Don't give him a bonus point. Don't do it. To, to be announced at the end. I'll need it, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It. And question number, number five. five. Whose wedding took place on the 1st of January, 1991? Mm. Oh, that's 30 mm. years ago, isn't it? Uh. 1st of January, 1991. Whose wedding? So... Those are the first five questions. Yeah. And if you keep listening, we'll get to the second five questions and then at the end, the answers. So, Kate, we'll join you again shortly. Well, we'll be back soon with the next part of the quiz. But let's get to some of those wonderful calls to find out what you, our fabulous Dumpty Dummers, made of the week. Hello, Ambridge3962. And first of all, we have Catherine, who needs to talk about the Rory Alice storyline. Everyone, Happy New Year, etc. Now, um, let's talk about what's been going on. Firstly, uh, the business with Alice and 
with Rory. Is it me or does Rory's voice sound a little bit different? If it's not his voice, it's certainly him. What has he been getting up to to in London? My guess that he's either got some sort of sugar daddy or he's become a sex worker because there is a hardness and an unforgivingness to him which seems out of kilter, even with the usual sort of personality change that we grow to expect from the archers. So something's changed with him to make him more cynical and hard-nosed about... Whether people are supposedly actually good, I think. Um, also, Alice, I feel sorry for her. Yes, in vino veritas and all of that. It must have been complicated for her at the time I wasn't listening then, having this this um, half-brother pop-up. Um, and obviously things weren't resolved very well. Probably Jenny just said, oh, it'll all be fine, darling, and, and it wasn't. But uh, my sister I've spoken about before, who's in recovery, I'm incredibly proud of her, uh, went back to her um place she did her uh, uh, detox and her rehab in recently to give a talk and she said to me when I saw her recently she made her realize how amazingly ill people are when they go into rehab I know she was physically very uh, dangerously ill but also just ill through the addiction and so uh, as a layman it's easy to say well she knew what she was doing but I don't think any of us unless you've been through the, 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 the nightmare of addiction can realize how absolutely awfully ill you are um, I think Rory's being a shit to her, um, and I think he should be mature enough to draw a line under it. Perhaps not forgive her, but be able to draw a line under it. I thought it was really, really menacing uh, and slightly vile. I went out with my friend Kate at, uh, the other night, and we were working out why we get so cross with Ambridge not being realistic. And we wouldn't want to listen to it if it was realistic. After all, it'd just be as boring as our own lives. But it gets to the point where you just rage about ridiculous things that happen in it. And I, I think I need to park that. Apart from, before I park it, I want to ramp rage about Linda. Linda and the stupid plays, the plays that take place on Boxing Day, when everyone's busy seeing family or um, recovering from Christmas Day. And these plays that are just so bullying and hectoring. And I know everyone says, well, underneath she's got a heart of gold and so on about Linda. But has she really... If you work out the percentage of time that she's an absolute cow to people, rude, dismissive, snobbish, compared to the time that she's kind, I think you'd find out that mostly Linda's actually a pretty horrific person. I know, I know you're all going to hate me. Um, Hashtag uh, love Brian. Bye. (laughs) She redeems herself right at the end, doesn't she, with that (laughs) hashtag? Because I'm with you on that, Catherine. We're in Brian's gang. Happy New Year to you and to, to all our Dumpty Dummers. Um, oh, where do we start with Catherine's calls? There's so much in there. Sorry that uh, the the, uh, uh, the archers irritate you so much, you and your f- friend Kate, uh, who's been on before as a double act. So we'd like to have you back on. Come on and tell us together hmm. why you find it so irritating. But do not leave the stage. We need we need you. Um, right, uh, we've got so many calls. We've got to be brief this week, haven't we? But <laughs> uh, in essence, Catherine's call was about the Alice Rory dynamic and seeing it through the uh, perspective of her own personal experience through her sister Mm. who is in recovery, who went back to her her therapy centre to give them a talk, which is really interesting, isn't it? Um, Mm. uh, I felt myself conflicted because I I do think drink does drop people's inhibitions and I do think you get an insight into people's, what they really think. Um, and there was a bit of schadenfreude about it all that good on you, Rory, you tell her, uh, why should she just, uh, think she can just get away with it by saying sorry. But the more you think about it and listening to Catherine and, 
the the realization uh, being close to somebody about how amazingly ill people are that's what she said wasn't mm. it um that they it's not about revealing truths it's they are driven by this illness and that was more than likely driving uh, a lot of what Alice was saying to to Rory. Um, I mean, what she said was incredibly cruel, and I think there was some truth, a lot of truth to it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and Catherine was saying he sounds different. It's the same actor, but I mean, that's precisely what Alice said to him. You know, You're different. What's what's mm. different about? It? And he says, "Yes, I am different. I've realised." Uh, uh, the, the you know um, tr- certain truths and and worked out who really cares for me and, and, you, and you essentially you're not one of them um, and I think he, the, he revealed a side to him that was really quite alarming uh, a side that we haven't been expected to uh, to see we've been so emotionally intelligent and sympathetic and sensitive up to this point I mean he really has become quite a sinister character there's, there's a lot of layers to unpick there and. Uh, um, we've got a lot of people talking about this, haven't we? Yeah, it's difficult because for me, um, when Alice was drunk and talking to all different people about what you know, all the the words that were coming out of her, um, everything she said seemed to be what she really felt, but ha- just yeah. had the freedom to say it. So when yeah. she said those things about Rory, it felt to me as if that really was what she thought. Um, and h- hearing Catherine's side of things with her sister, mm. uh, it does make me realise that I haven't been exposed to um, someone who's who's going through that. And so maybe I'm judging it wrong, but I just, I felt like she was saying what she really believed. And, and this week, it just seems so much about Alice at the beginning, when she heard that Rory was coming back, you know, she was concerned about, about herself saying to Jenny, oh, it could be the first time we've seen each other since, you know, and I just think, Alice, this is not about, about you, but but then when you view it through the um, alcoholic set of glasses, it, it, it is about her as well. It's a very difficult one. I didn't mm. even know if Rory really had gone snowboarding. That felt a bit contrived I, to me. I, I don't think he's been skiing. He hasn't been skiing with friends. If he has, he's been skiing with some dodgy people. Yeah, it was he, a very short was, break. He was very evasive, very evasive. And um, on the on the Linda thing, L- Linda does wind me up and she is a bully and yet she gets you know some places for on Amdram productions that you don't need to think is this amateur or not you know it is people fluff their lines they come on on the wrong point uh, the stage collapses yet linda manages to put on these you know bbc level productions <laughs> funny, funny that. enough yeah, funny it's that. funny isn't it yes. but she does get things done so she's you know uh, would i want her uh, in in my town my village no but i love yeah. the fact that she gets on with things and I know what Catherine means. I mean, a lot of the time she is a complete madam, isn't she? Oh, but, yeah. But, she but is. then, then you'll see those insights, particularly with younger people, you know, uh, with Blake and with Freddie and with Mia. You see that insight, the, the, the lovely side to her. Yes. Um, but it tends to get overshadowed by the, by the um, you know, the great impresario. And um, she's a, yeah, over Christmas she behaved appallingly, dreadful, dreadful. But, uh, we, but she does have redeeming f- features, doesn't she? Well, we mentioned about whether Rory went on holiday, and the next call is from Rob, and he has concerns about Rory's investment pedigree. Hello there, Quentin, Philippa, and Dumpty Dummers around the world. Well, it's all over for another year. All the leftovers have been eaten. 
I've just finished the last of my selection box and there'll be no more turkey anecdotes for another 12 months. Well, that's it for me anyway, but the Aldridges are planning a second one for the prodigal Rory. He's just come back from a skiing holiday and has already started doling out expensive presents to his friends, so I wait with bated breath to find out what he's going to be giving the family. Where does this unemployed student get all his money from? That's been the topic of speculation for as long as he's been throwing his money around. And tonight it was revealed that it's all down to investing in cryptocurrency. You remember cryptocurrency, all the fuss and palaver about it, how it went from being worth zero to being worth, you know, 60-odd thousand dollars a piece. And then it plummeted in the summer this year. It picked back up again in September, and it's been round about that price from September, October, up until now, and it started dropping off again. So, if Rory was told by his college friends, you make money with crypto, that would have been about September, October, late September, October, and since then, I don't think it's really made much. In fact, he's probably lost money. So, I don't know which form of uh, cryptocurrency he's using or his mates are, in, are recommending, but I don't think it's uh, don't think it's making as much money as he says. So all the rumours can carry on. And uh, another thing I was thinking about was uh, Harrison appears to be bailing out. Doesn't like the idea of a loan cloth. So, what are they going to do? Some people have started speculating that Mike Tucker might stand in, as well as fixing the uh, the crucifix up, he's going to actually stand in for the crucifix. He's going to be Christ. I don't think that's going to happen. What's going to happen is the same as whenever a fit, well-toned young man is supposed to get his kit off and bottles out at the last minute, it'll be joy. Mm. Well... That's my thoughts, anyway. <laughs> hope everybody has a really nice new year, if that's what you do, and uh, hope everything gets better in the future. Bye now. <laughs> Thanks, Thought, Robin. Happy New thought, Year. Yeah, thoughts or fantasy. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that, Joy standing in. That's that's astonishingly good. Yeah, this cryptocurrency, I don't know. I had to go and see a physio a few weeks ago, and they were telling me how they just made 4,000% on some cryptocurrency. As someone from the investment world, I think I just should ha- have a major warning for anybody considering this, uh, that the risks are are significant and substantial, but I won't go on a, a, about it anymore. Uh, yeah, how has Rory made his money? I, I don't know. There is some uh, reference to this as well in the social media roundup, so I'll let Stephen talk about that later on. Um, but I was just so pleased to hear Mike back, whether he stands in for Harrison or, or not. You know, even Mike was surprised the cows were out. And Rue saying, oh, you're on a learning curve. Oh, it's outrageous. But... Um, I think we need to get on to the very important subject, Quentin, that that sort of coincides with Rory and his arrival and talking about the money. Uh, when he arrived, he he wanted something to eat, as we've already mentioned, this omelette. I think we need to address straight away the issue of eggs in the fridge because there has been some discussion about this uh, on, on online. Would you, would you agree? Oh, 
I, I noticed it, but I paid it no attention for the No, purpose. come on. This is absolutely crucial stuff. We we need to have this discussion well, and agree you, a dum-de-dum point of view. Where you keep your eggs. Yes, it's very important. Well, okay, here's my here's my view. I, here's my room. Can, can I get a word in edgeways? Yeah, I mean should you, on, keep, should you keep your eggs in one basket? Is, is the first thing I should. Oh. Uh, it's a deliberate pun because actually, I mean, I sometimes they're in the fridge, sometimes in the garage, <gasps> cold. I mean, a multi yes. approach to your just, storage of eggs. Now, just, come just on. as long as they don't the take up too much room. Place. We might have a global pandemic on our hands, but you storing eggs in different places. I'm sorry, I can't. Well, th- as long as they're cold, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> Where do you keep yours? Go so, on. This is, Oh. Yeah. Okay. So is this, going to, is this going to take a long time? No, no, no. I'll okay. summarise it. It used to be that I would keep it in the cupboard, but the new guidance is that you keep it in the fridge and therefore we keep ours in the fridge. If you're using them for cooking, baking or whatever, you take them out and get them back to room temperature. But yes, eggs should be, I believe, and I'm cowering as I say this because everyone's going to shout at me, uh, in the fridge. That That's that's my... That's You've my just un- un- unleashed... An Edwina <laughs> Curry moment on this podcast. We're just going to be inundated now. Can I blame you, it on the old soil. You, you um, can answer all these emails. So hold on. You would you put your eggs in the fridge or somewhere yes. cold, which yes. is what I do, which is okay with you. You're a cold garage yes. or fridge. If it's very and then you, cold. You can't just cook with them straight away. You have to bring them down to room temperature. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, let's face it. I mean, how, I how frustrating is that? I don't. But well, you have to do it with butter as well. How you long do you have to wait? Butter out you, how long before you can use an egg? 20, 25 minutes. Oh, I thought. Oh, I mean, bloody. I don't bake, so I've got no idea. I just eat other people's baking. Um, but I'm I'm giving helpful hints to people. I'm sure Delia would say, take it out 20, 30 minutes before. Uh, that's what you do with milk and butter anyway. So yeah, it's all it's all right. part of the. Right. Okay. You've heard from Delia Hall now, everybody. <laughs> Um, can I get can I just get get back to sex workers and sugar daddies because um, Catherine eggs. mentioned it in her last call. Uh, where does he get his money from? <laughs> Rob's wondering. We're all wondering. He hasn't got it from cryptocurrency. He's got it from something dodgy or as I mean, I I, I my immediate thought was sex worker or sugar daddy. Then I saw other people suggesting maybe he's got an early inheritance from his Irish family. So I think it's probably in that ballpark. Yeah, um, uh, the Irish family don't strike me as being Ash very is, wealthy. Yeah, actually, this Ash figure is very dodgy. You know, the guy with the private plane or whatever he's got. Yeah. yeah, and he certainly didn't seem keen to give Ben the information on how to invest in no, cryptocurrency no, himself. No. I mean, it's an easy thing to say, but it's hard to do. It, mm. I mean, it could be, and it could be an interesting line that then he loses a lot of money and has to come sort of back to the family home to to get a loan or, or or something from brian i i i know i well, thought he's, he's, he's bought a track day a necklace uh it, uh noise cancelling earbuds for adam they should have in fact been given to ian and also a one-way travel voucher possibly yeah. uh for alice yeah, mean, but he's that really could, shelled it out isn't but it that, okay it's still lost money but that's probably all adds up to about 500 quid all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because track days, especially at the moment, you can get them so cheap. Honestly, you can. Well, it depends how far away he wants Alice to go. <laughs> yes, if it's a one-way ticket to Australia, exactly. then uh, might cost more than a than mm. a few hundred. And I'm not saying five hundred quid isn't a lot of money, but um, it, yeah, I I I don't All know. Right. I don't. Yeah. 
Anyway, everybody, uh, you know, forget Alice and Rory. It's all about the eggs this week. Okay, that's the key issue. No, we just got more calls about Alice and Rory, so I just thought we'd just deal with with Eggsgate straight away, and then we can okay. move on. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> do you feel better now? I do, but we thank and thank you, Rob, for your call. That that it was brilliant yeah. to get those calls coming in, and we need to go to another super call. This is Witherspoon, who is concerned, as we all are, about the progress of Alice. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Philippa, Quentin, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, wishing my Scottish friends a festive first foot and everybody a happy new year. I'm sure that Alice is hoping for a much better 2022. 2021 couldn't have concluded on a worse note. I do have sympathy for her, as she's been sober for a while, believes she's been doing all the right things, and feels blindsided by Rory's words. But has she been working the steps of the AA program? Specifically, step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of herself. Step eight, made a list of all persons she has harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible. And step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when she was wrong, promptly admit it. Not to say that AA is the only route to sobriety, but it does seem that these steps are particularly relevant to Alice and her relationship with Rory. We really haven't heard much about the treatment and peer support that Alice has been receiving. I feel like the writers of The Archers have missed a trick here, and I certainly hope that Alice hangs on and doesn't have a slip. We saw on Facebook that many are debating whether Rory was too harsh in his reaction to Alice, but her words had greatly wounded him down to the core of his insecurity about being Brian's bastard child. I'm glad he has repaired his relationship with Jennifer. Hopefully, he and Alice will reach a detente someday, but it will require much time and a lot more work on Alice's part. Meanwhile, we are all intrigued by how Rory is affording all these expensive gifts on a student budget. Something fishy is clearly afoot, but with Rory returning to university, how slow a burn will this be? We want answers. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Witherspoon, and Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, well, uh, we've obviously just covered that your last point about Wes. You're getting this fishy money, as you refer to, uh, as he returns to his course. Is he actually on his course? Is he doing something else? Nobody knows, do they, really? Um, and, I, yes, I think your, your broader point that the scriptwriters have missed a trick about her progress in treatment is correct. I mean, I mentioned last week I think her story is being concertinaed now rather than stretched out. And, uh, you know, mm. she's all best buddies with Chris and she wants to be all best buddies with Rory and she's all sweet with Jenny and blah, 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 blah. Um, yes, Chris, <laughs> you can have Martha whenever you like. And, um, and actually it's a much longer process as Catherine uh, just demonstrated in her call, a much longer process than that. I mean, obviously there are dramatic um, requirements to uh, to cram it all in, but you know, it has been a stretched out story up to now and i think they're now trying to cram it in so yes there is potential and has she is she going through these steps that you go through you know this, mm. the fearless inventory you talk about uh, making direct amends to people admitting when she's wrong promptly and all that we don't know um uh, it certainly ain't working with rory 
Yeah, I don't think it can have happened because she hasn't spoken to Rory since that incident. So surely there would have been some discussion even alluded to um, and and mentioned, even if we hadn't heard it. So, yeah, it's it's difficult because uh, I'm still on Team Rory and I felt... He was very aware of what Alice had done to hurt Jenny. You know, what you said, the way you hurt me, and especially the way you hurt Jenny. So he is, he's not just focusing on himself. He's focusing on what Alice uh, had done to Jenny as well. I mean, I just felt, you know, Rory's... Rory moved to the Aldridge household about 15 years ago. He was about four years old. And it just felt like, without us being aware, that that situation has been simmering and building up for all that time. And when Rory went to university, he seems to have gone from being a pony to a thoroughbred. You know, the difference in mm. in the boy yeah. to man yeah. in one yeah. term. Um, so you're still team Rory, are you? I am, but I say that and I'm aware that I don't have that experience of um, you know, knowing but, someone who is an alcoholic. So uh, I'm probably yeah. judging it too harshly. But uh, yeah, I'm Team Rory. I only ask because you're a good friend of this podcast, uh, Rosie Porty at, at Porty Rosie. I mean, she tweeted this. Did you see it? Yes, I did. He's, he's behaving. I mean, she's a huge fan of Rory up to this point. I mean, she tweeted, he's behaving like an entitled super brat and doesn't care if his actions put Alice in hospital. He's on my punishment list. Now, she was his biggest fan. And I get that. If something then happens to Alice, well, is it on Rory or is it on Alice? Because she created this situation. She hasn't done anything that I'm aware of, as as Witherspoon mentions, Mm. to uh, um, apologise and to sort of work through what happened. And, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, troubled. If if Alice had said to Jenny at the end, if she told Jenny the truth of what had happened between her and Rory, I'd have been even more fuming. And maybe that would have brought more people on Team Rory if Alice had done that, the fact that she just piped yeah. down in the end. You, you see, the, Rory claims to love and cherish Jenny. Um, again, Rosie thinks actually he's gaslighting her. But anyway, um, she put that in a tweet uh, this morning. Um, you know, he mu- he's intelligent enough to know that he could actually, uh, this could force Alice off the wagon again. And mm. that would be the worst thing for Jenny, wouldn't it? Because uh, a drunk Alice is 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 rips the family apart and will cause her even more pain. So if he's if he's thought it through, why would he threaten that if he cared for Jenny so much? Uh, but I suppose for me, I want some different characters. So if Rory turns out to be the new baddie, baddie's a strong word for Rory, but mm. s- someone who is is a bit. Um, not what he Manipulating. seems. Yes. Mm. Then I'm all for it in Ambridge. Would I want it in my home? No. Um, but it certainly makes it a very interesting week. And, you know, if you look at how many people have been giving their views, it, well, it's... Adam Hickford on, on Twitter, a really good tweet this. Uh, he says, is Rory going to reinvent himself as a Moriarty-style villain? <gasps> this is very interesting and has great potential. Yes. Good point, Adam. Good point. Yeah, Which yeah. picks up on your point just now, that is he going to become something different? Yes. Uh, It's a difficult one. As I say, I completely understand that I am, that I'm wrong in what I think, but I I am on team Rory, I'm afraid. And, you know, let's push Alice a bit. She seems to just be, 
yeah, it's so fake at the moment, the way she's been skipping through the fields of nostalgia with Chris and acting like everything is is right. It, it was heading for a downfall, but I certainly don't wish ill on Alice and I, I wouldn't want her to start drinking again. But she might, she might. Yes, will she just make use of that travel voucher and um, fly mm. off? I don't know. Anyway, yes. With a spoon, a, a brilliant call as always. Thank you. And uh, now we must go to Bernadette, who has things to say about Usha. Bernadette Hawkes here, Archers fan, 2015, member of the Usha Support Club. The main reason for caller entering today is in response to Quentin's tweet asking me which bit didn't I agree with. Well, well, before I start, I must say I was somewhat alarmed by the thought of your good wife giving you a guillotine for Christmas. Is there a message or a symbolic message being sent? Anyway, moving along swiftly. Re Usher. Firstly, I agree with Philippa. Usher does make Reverend Allen more interesting. I must point out to Catherine that initially I thought it was a new actor. I think that the different voice was the appalling script writing, although I did wonder if Usher was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Um, read a three-hour film. Perhaps this was a subtle, very subtle cultural hint that it was a Bollywood movie, hence its length. By the way, the latest James Bond was 2 hours 43 minutes and was 30 minutes too long in my my book. Anyway, my main theory about Usher is that the new SWs are making her unlikable so that some listeners won't miss her when they write her out of the archers, which in my opinion is very unfair. Um, she's been the only brown person in the village for years. Then she's disappeared, and now she's back. They, they're trying to—they're making her horrid. Anyway, um, it wasn't—it uh, wasn't cruel to take Amy with her to Coventry. Amy is an adult after all, and can make her own choices. And my final point is, um, I scored three in Kate's quiz, including the anagram. Uh, I'll be back. <laughs> Thank you, Bernard. That's same, yes, I love the same, point about the guillotine, Quentin. Same score as me, so I'm in good company, aren't I? The guillotine, yes. I, I had the same concern, Bernard, when I when I opened this present. I just think, oh, and she announced, oh, my wife, this is, oh, it's a guillotine. I think, what are you trying to tell me? Um, so far, she hasn't put my head in it. Um, good. It's only been logs that have been put in it to split, but it's working very nicely. Thank you. Yeah, I, I need to talk about Usha. I mean, I agree with Bernadette that, I, you know, I, I like having Usha in there. I She did seem to be made, portrayed as being unlikable, but I would much rather have Usha in Ambridge than, than not. However, I have to take Usha to task this week about her behaviour with Alan. She was encouraging him to lie. And uh, yes, he didn't deliberately say something that was false, but he was misleading people just so she can have a have a rest. Um, and then both of them went to the drinks party the night before he was giving his speech. I, I thought that was that was madness. And it's making Alan to out to be a liar. I mean, maybe that's the most interesting thing we, we can say about him because he is the most boring man in Ambridge. But yeah, I really hope Bernadette that um, that she's not being written out because yeah we need Usha there and the representation. I mean, come on, it's uh, mm. it's very unfortunate at the moment. Mm. Um, well, I mean, who 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 more would you want to have as your custodian of the Usha Support Club than Bernadette? So, yes. uh, I don't think the scriptwriters will dare write yes. her out. 
Bernadette <laughs> on guard. Um, and um, I felt, I mean, essentially Bernadette's ringing up because she disagreed with what I said about Usha last week, which I thought, you know, she really annoyed me last week and I just didn't like the way she was behaving, blah, blah, blah. I feel that we started this week to get the old Usha back and um, Bernadette is saying she was badly written last week and I'll, you know, I will bow to her greater knowledge on these things because she's been listening for far longer than me. Uh, I think that's possibly, quite probably a fair point because she was almost unrecognisable. This week I thought we got the old Usha back and mm. is that because Kerry Davis was writing this week? Yes, exactly. Mm. So it was good to hear her back. I don't think she's going to be pushed out. I think actually maybe they're reintegrating her at long last uh, I mean, she's playing games with Susan and she's going saltering with Stella and Ruth. So I think she's here to stay. I, I'm, I'm more optimistic. We can only hope we want her there. Bernadette, thank you so much for your call. Happy New Year to you. And we'll have some more of your calls in a moment. But if you're listening to this thinking, I'd like to record a message and I'm wondering how to do it. Here's how. Yes, please. If you go to speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum, don't forget that T in the middle of dumpty dum, you can record your call there. Uh, do also have a look at our pinned tweet on the dumpty dum Twitter account for all the details of how to leave us a message. Alternatively, you can also go to the dumpty dum.com website and access the speakpipe link there too. It's uh, the red thing on the left. Just click on that. And we do need to ask for your help and support. Firstly, if you haven't already, if you could click the subscribe button and, and give us a five-star review, those are both massively helpful in fighting the podcast algorithms. Um, secondly, if you could write us a review, that would be wonderful. And then the pinnacle is joining the Patreon, supporting us. If you go to patreon.com and type in dumpty dum, you'll see the information there. And there's a link to Patreon and SpeakPipe in the show notes, don't you know? That's a new thing thing we're doing yeah. um yes but next week we need to tell you there's going to be a different recording time quentin is swanning off to to the big city on on saturday and sunday i am darling yes yes you you are so we're having to record on friday at 7 p.m so we really need your help with this if you could get your calls in we still want your calls um, but if we could get them in before 7 p.m on friday we would be so grateful and of course, next week's podcast will feature Stephen Fry, mm. our big guest. Um, and we'd like to put some of your questions to him as well. So here's your chance, okay? And let us have your Archers related questions for Stephen by visiting the dumptydum.com website and clicking the Contact Us tab to send us an email. Or if you're on Twitter, why not send at dumptydum a direct message? Um, we expect obviously quite a few questions from you to Stephen Fry. So please keep your questions as short as possible. Uh, and we can't promise to ask all of them to, to him, but we'll select some to put to him. And uh, we're recording our chat with him this Thursday. So we need them in by midday on January the 6th. Yes. Yeah, so just to sort of repeat about that, in case it's a bit confusing, we're recording the discussion with Stephen on Thursday, and then we'll record Dum De Dum, which will slot that interview in on the Friday. So sorry, it's all a bit different, but uh, it's for a very good reason. And now we need to return to the fabulous quiz for the second part. Okay, let's get back to the quiz, folks. We've had the first five with a New Year theme already from Kate Crichton and uh, Kate's back in the hot seat. Back in the hot seat. Um, mm -hmm. uh, with f five more dastardly questions, starting with question six. What do you got for us for question, question six? Question six. Kate? 
Who turns 77 on the 7th? That's the 7th of January this year. Who turns 77? This is an inspired guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number seven. Yep. Why was New Year 1994 such a memorable time for the Carter family? Mm. So in the Carter family, New Year 1994, why was it such a memorable time? Mm. Okay. That, that noise means she's got the answer right. The <laughs> I, I, I know some of them, but I don't know some of them. So, yeah, who okay. knows? Okay. Well, all of one, you mean, right. So then number Question eight. Question eight, yeah. Grey Gables hosted a wedding on New Year's Day 2012 for which couple? This Honestly, this was one I had forgotten until I went researching. I didn't really, I've forgotten how many weddings there were. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. It's all on important days. Can you actually get married on New Year's Day? I, I don't know. They did. And as oh, you said, yeah, it's real. Mm. Yes. Yeah, true, true, true. Mate. So Grey Gables, New Year's Day 2012, um, whose wedding? And then question nine is, is another birthday one. Who was born on New Year's Eve 1975? <laughs> another so birth on New Year's Eve. That's 46 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. 46 says who's 46 mm. <laughs> mm. uh, oh God. they all behave like teenagers don't they so it's hard to tell yeah right here's another inspired guess right okay so, new year's eve 1975 yeah. he was born and finally question 10 what event shocked ambridge on the 1st of january 21 2021. So that's just uh, yeah. a year ago. What oh. event shocked Ambridge on the 1st of January 2021? Right. So we'll be back in a little bit. Well, at the end of this episode with the questions once more and the answers. And let's see who did well and who didn't. Okay. Right. Now we need to go back to our calls. And next we have formerly cycling Christine, who needs to talk to us about the Aldridge family. Hello, Quentin, Philippa and all fellow Dumpty Dummers. A very happy new year to you all. I just wanted to reflect a bit on the scene with Rory and Alice this week. I thought it was great dramatically. I can understand the motivations of Rory, but I'm not quite sure that it was the wisest course of action to be that blunt with Alice and to lay it out like that. But it did also make me reflect upon... Alice's words when she said to him, you have to give me a chance. And Rory replied, no, he doesn't. And I think her words there in that he has to give her a chance reflect her state of mind and her attitude in general. She's done something terrible, seemingly unforgivable. And yet in her mind, as long as she says sorry and she is sorry, that's enough to make it all right. And it made me reflect upon that being a family trait. We look at Brian and all of his antics over the years and how he just sails blithely on, unaware of what he's done to other people because Jennifer has just forgiven him at each stage, including taking Rory in and bringing him up. And we see similar behaviour in Kate, who made her parents leave their house, but do they bear a grudged no they just forgive her and carry on but she's quite happy to inflict that pain on someone else for her own benefit and I do just think that if 
Alice and Kate had had to face up to the consequences of their actions instead of being treated like uh, indulgent little princesses who can't do anything wrong and who are absolutely wonderful when they were young, then this wouldn't have happened as they've got older. Anyway, that's all for now. Bye. Goodbye, Christine. Uh, and thank you for your call as ever. And a mm. happy 2022 to you as well. Um, yes, you've got a, a different take on the, on the whole Rory Alice thing, hasn't she? And mm. yes, she picked up on one word, isn't she? Uh, when Alice said to Rory that he, he has to give her a chance, mm. that sort of sense of entitlement. Um, I mean, I heard that and I thought, that was a reasonable request. Um, but Christine sees much deeper things in that, the whole idea that all you got to do is say sorry and everything is fine. Yes, but Alice also said, I've done so much for you. I mean, what? What has Alice done for him? No, she hasn't. And that's yeah. the, the line that got me even more than the line that Christine yes. mentioned. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything either. Uh, she did buy him a reindeer. <laughs> The Christmas tree, I guess. But, that, but I mean, that goes back to what Christine said about the the family trait of you know forgive and forget within nanoseconds. I mean, remember she said to him, "Tell Rory that he was the little bastard that no one planned and no one wanted a mistake, a cuckoo in the nest." I mean, it takes a lot of bridge building to get over that, isn't it? And it was it? done in a very crowing, you know, it was the delivery as well mm, as the well, evil words. Brutal, yeah, it was brutal. Uh, so. Um, She's saying both Kate and Alice need to face up to the consequences. They've just been indulged princesses. Yeah. And there's a lot of truth to that. But yeah. she, I mean, Alice has said sorry, which begs the question, what does she now have to do to make it up to Rory? I mean, how do you bridge that huge void? I mean, it's it's a difficult one. What 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 does Alice have to physically do or emotionally do or well, I think Witherspoon's already mentioned some of the steps that the, the she steps, should have yeah. she should have done. But yeah. again, it's it's like you know when a child does something a little bit wrong and they say sorry, that's fine. You move on. But when they do something that's more serious and significant, yes, it's it's good that they say sorry. But there needs to be mm. a discussion about it. You know, and it's that that I think Christine's absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. This sort of siblings of getting away with everything and um jenny but, just but, seems oblivious to it all. Oh, oh god yeah yeah just sprinkles a few darlings around and everything's fine um exactly she never says to alice you really messed up and you know it can be put right it can be fixed but, but yeah, you've but got to honor you, what you've done how do you fix it i mean she's got to do it through actions obviously you can't you know it's, it's actions speak louder than words blah 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 i mean she, i think she's genuinely remorseful i do I think she's ripped apart by guilt and she feels dreadful and she realises the terrible damage she's inflicted. But she was so naive to think by just saying sorry and buying him a reindeer, everything would be okay. What action does she have to take? She has to just just um, sit and talk to Rory and get him to yeah, open I, up. I but think he's, not, he's, not in the, he's not in the mindset to do that. He's, he's closed her closed her down yes but she's created that or made it worse because she hasn't already stepped in to do that and it's mm. only because he's held up the that should have shone the light on the situation mm. that mm. she's uh thinking again about it but I think it's not about what you do. It is about what you say. That You can't hire a plane to put something in the sky saying, I'm sorry, Rory, forgive me. She has struck him at his core 
And you can imagine right. how that feeling of being a cuckoo has built up over the years. I was interested in the Cluedo reference again, though, because we had that, first of all, when Rory was going to tell Brian and Jenny about him, uh, about the fact that he was bisexual. That was over a, a game of Cluedo. And he mentioned it again this week. And I don't know whenever there's something to significant to talk Ooh. about is it you know who's going to get the candlestick out in the library i, I don't know probably reading into it too much it's yes. what i do but so you, you you think it's what she says rather than actions now it's from well i'm just talking personally if someone mm. has wronged me buying me an easter egg um and uh waving some confetti isn't going to do it i no. it's the discussion it's it's words but, words hurt and words heal yeah Get that. Words hurt and words heal. Excellent. Make that into a T-shirt. Um, but he's <laughs> not of a, of a mind to talk to her. He's just absolutely shut her down, isn't he? Yes, but you know he he has taken the the words that she said and festered on them for yeah. months yeah. Yeah. and not had any contact from her at all over that time. And suddenly she thinks everything's rosy just because he's come back. Mm. So again it's so difficult because she you know medically she's had this awful condition uh, and is working her way through that so i i'm not trying to wish her ill but she has annoyed me um in the last week or two with this as we keep saying this sort of fake approach to life yeah um and i, I just feel that the, the veneer is too thin and it's going to come crumbling down but i do like to see a happier jenny as a result yeah you know, you're right um... you, you're right yes <laughs> You know, it's 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 paper thin, though, isn't it? Well, formerly cycling, Christine, you've you've done it again. A great call. You kept us talking, which is all that we can possibly ask. And now we need to go to another great call. We've got Jen, who needs to take Alan to task. Greetings, Quentin, Philippa, and everybody in Dumpty Dum Land. Uh, wishing you a very happy New Year. Uh, this is Jen calling in. What a busy week we've had. Um, I found the whole harassment uh i thought it was quite ironic that in the same week that poor old harassment is practicing for his baptism in freezing water that radio 4 decided to do quite so many programs on the dangers of swimming in icy water hypothermia um cold shock how it's always physiologically dangerous to be immersed that you can die from it and that even a drop of two degrees in your body temperature and your toast and Dunking the vicar, uh, he's not a vicar, but dunking the policeman, um, doing the full baptism thing, and then stripping him and putting him on the cross does seem highly likely that he's going to get hypothermia and be in quite a lot of trouble. So it's a good job NHS Borsetshire are quite so amazing. Uh, hope Jim's there with the Riley to, to get him there in time. Um, then we had um, Alan absolutely muffing the, his, you know, he hasn't had much of a chance to add to the congregation, let's face it. He has not done well on the old conversion front, really. I'd say the congregation has gone down rather than anything else. And then Harrison has his little existential moment, and what does he do? He goes in and goes, ah, Jesus was just a bloke. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have something as Christians called the Great Commission, where we're meant to spread the gospel and saying... Jesus was a bloke and he called himself the son of man. Wasn't the best ever. Poor old Alan. Um, maybe it is time he hung up the old vickering thing and became a social worker. Then um, then we had Rory, return of the prodigal son. Um, that was all fantastic. Don't really have time to make much comment about it, but 
very interesting. Oh, wow. Thanks, Jen, for your call. Wonderful as always. Yes, you're, you're right. It's a good thing that NHS Borsetshire are so amazing. It's probably because they've had no COVID cases whatsoever, so they're not experiencing the overload that uh, everywhere else seems to be. But, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying about Alan. And uh, when Chris said Harrison can drown in a puddle, I mean, people People really don't hold Harrison in in high regard. But Alan, as a social worker, I think that's even worse than Alan the vicar. So I think somehow he's going to have to stay as a vicar, but just with, as you say, a reducing congregation. And uh, bless him. I mean, what else... What else could he do? He could be a painter in Ambridge because he'd he'd be very quick at getting the paint to dry. He'd be that boring. You're mean. You're mean. Well, first of all, Happy New Year to you, Jen. And um, bless her, she ever the vet, she can't help herself but look at the medical concerns (laughs) of Harrison plunging into the am uh, and the cold shock that he he might uh, suffer. Um, I, 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 I... I, I I find myself the defender of the dull but decent. <laughs> Here we go. Go on. I I like Alan, Tony, David, Roy, Neil. All could be put into that category. They're a bit dull, but fundamentally decent chaps. And uh, I th- I think uh, Alan uh, I th- I thought he handled that Harrison thing well. I'm going to because if he got even heavier with Harrison and, and you know I bow to Jen's greater knowledge on on this and reference to Great Commission and so forth. But I think if if Harris if Alan had got all all theological with Harrison, he, he would have run a mile, and um, you know he would never have played Jesus. And it actually made Harrison go away and reflect on what he believed and uh, if he had any faith. All Alan convinced was a man to strip off in midwinter. Never mind, what what do I know? But Jen, thank you very much thank for your you. call, yes. as always. And now we go to God Squad Mia, who has issues about Rory's Christmas. Hi, Philippa and Quentin and all Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide. It's God Squad Mia here from Newcastle land, caller in ring. Wow, what a week we've had. Um, can't remember too much of it because I was Dan Saff visiting family for a few days, which was lovely. But um, bleak, my name is bleak, in the bleak midwinter. Has he gone? I hope he's gone. I hope that Carter Krusty was the last we're going to hear from him. Didn't like it. I thought it was a terrible character and really not the best acting in the world. But there you go. Speaking of family, what's happened to Rory? He's, he's just gone nuts. Uh, I thought that was quite out of character for him to turn on Alice like that. I spent three months reflecting on what's gone on. No, he hasn't. What a load of nonsense. He's just being very, very spiteful. Um, But the Alice situation, I can't believe that they didn't have a dry Christmas at um, Home Farmy Small House, wherever Brian and Jenny Darling live. Um, their, Their drink, Kate got drunk. Well, what are they doing to Alice? They should have just had a dry Christmas for a couple of days. I'm sure Brian could have coped with that. Um, he could have gone down to the pub at some point. But uh, there you go. That That's that. Um, Ruth and David. Well, David in the mysteries. This is something I wanted to ask. Were the actors playing the their archers' characters playing the characters in the mysteries? or the actors going straight to the mystery characters, because there's no way on this planet 
fictional or otherwise, that David would have been able to turn out that kind of performance as King Herod. No way, Jose. But um, as the actor, he was terrific. I thought that was great. And I did love that little bit of the... um, uh, the Archer's music, uh, Barrett Green coming in and and him stopping it. I just thought it was great. Anyway, have a lovely new year, everybody, and talk to you soon. Um, thanks for everything that you've done for Dumpty Dum. It's been brilliant. And this is God Squad Mere saying amen. Bye. And the same to you, uh, God Squad Mere. Uh, lovely to hear from you again from Newcastle land, even though you've been down south, as you say. <laughs> and uh, happy new year and all that. And um yeah, that that last point about the uh, the nativity uh, is is very interesting mm. uh, that she made because I think we all were having the same thought and and working out who was was who and some people were clearly retaining an elements of their Archer's character to be their part. For instance, I thought uh, mm. Mia playing Mary, you could she sounded like Mia. Uh, obviously, uh, you could tell it was Eddie, but. I have to say, uh, Tim Bentink as as uh, as uh, Herod was. I d- I pride myself in, in recognizing people's voices. I did not recognize mm. his David voice once during that performance. He's also Isaiah, but I didn't hear him as I. I can't, I can't remember it. it was a very small part, but fundamentally, he was Herod, wasn't he? It was extraordinary, uh, he, wasn't it? He, he was not David but, playing Herod. Was no, it was he? the Tim Bentink showreel. I thought, I th- but. It- yeah. Extraordinary acting. I was a bit worried about how much phlegm there was on the recording studio at the yes. end of that. But she, the mere's right. Should they have tried to retain an element of their yeah, archer's character? Yeah, they have done in other performances. So that's yeah. what concerned me a little bit. But and, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. It was great. Well, also, you know, um, Carol Boyd play, plays Linda. She sort of became a. She started to sound like Jolene yeah. as God. Jazza was great. Um, yeah, he, he, he when he was a, yeah. Well, as a shepherd, I didn't recognise him, but as as the king, he was sort of, sort of muttering a bit, didn't he? As as Jazza, and then he became a king and sounded Russian, didn't he? Yes. Um, and Susan was Susan. Yeah. <laughs> she was funny enough. <laughs> so there was you, there was it was clearly Susan, but it wasn't consistent. And I think Mia's got a good point there, uh, but I I didn't. I, I I sort of listened to it out of homework. I think I ought to listen to it, and actually, I really enjoyed it. I was I I, I was very very pleasantly surprised. It was a very good production, mm. and they, they threw a lot of work into that. And uh, you know, uh, top marks to to Nick Warburton for adapting it. He's a very good writer, isn't he? And um, I enjoyed it. I, I was a bit say. worried though that Peggy had been marched everywhere to watch it. I mean, poor woman. Couldn't she just stayed at home with Hilda and just heard about it? third hand i don't know and i love me as reference to home farmy small house um yes i think i think you mean willow cottage by that mere but yeah that's the sort of conversation i often have with people you know you know thingy and what's it it's uh yeah, yeah. i love that home farmy small house but amen god squad mere another super core cool. and now we need to hurry on and go to claire from clapham who needs to talk about harrison's concerns Hey Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here, wishing all Dumpty Dummers around the world a very happy 2022. Um, I just wanted to say something this week about um, the conversation between Harrison and Alan about, you know, being Jesus and who was Jesus and all that. And this has had a bit of pushback, I think, on the social media and the comments. I quite liked it. And, you know, I'm not a religious person, 
I think I said last week when I was moaning about the mysteries <laughs> about um, how I quite like the kind of, um, you know, timings of the year and the sort of sense of time and place in the village. And I think that, you know, it's, it is not, it's, it's realistic that um, the church is a part of a village like Ambridge and the seasons of the church are part of the seasons of the village historically, even where they're not even, you know, so things like the summer fate originally would probably have been some kind of religious holiday or something, right? But we, it's not religious anymore, but it's still part of the rhythm of the year. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I'm not religious, but I do like a, I do like a carol. There's stuff in the Christmas story that speaks to all people in many ways. And I think there's something to take from people's faith. And, you know, I think it's um, quite congruent with Harrison's character, to really take that seriously and not want to be flippant about it, and particularly for the passion, because he wants to show up to an Easter show. I mean, like Easter show, that like makes it sound very um, downgraded, doesn't it? But like either beginning in the middle of the year, in the, in the middle of December, or beginning of January, whatever. So like, it will be people who take their faith seriously, and I think that's good for him. So I mean, I'm not sure I want to listen to it, but um, you know, that said, I do admire Harrison for asking the question and for Alan for responding to it. So, um, you know, I think you don't have to have faith to be interested. So anyway, speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Claire, for that call. Yes, how interesting. I just wonder if if it hadn't been Alan who'd had the conversation with Harrison, who could it have been and who'd have done a worse job? Let's just think, let's just thank our lucky stars because it could have been Shula. Kirsty could have asked Shula to talk to poor Harrison and Harrison would have thrown himself in the am, I think, but if, if she'd done that, it would have been dreadfully dull, don't don't you think, Quentin? <laughs> Who could have done a worse job? Well, Claire and I are on the same hymn sheet, aren't we, on this one? I feel vindicated because if Claire from Clapham comes on and agrees with my point of view, then what more is there to say? Claire, that was wonderful (laughs) as always. We value your your calls so much. And now we go to our final caller in this week. And it is Emily from Canada. And Emily's been thinking of the different episodes with Rory this week. Hello, Philippa, Quentin, and all my other subjects in the kingdom of Dumpty Dum. It's Emily from Canada calling. I just wanted to talk about uh, the scenes between Rory and Alice this week. Um, I can still remember exactly where I was when I listened to Alice uh, destroy Rory. And um, the memory is just so vivid because it was just so awful to listen to. And so I found, um, I think it was Wednesday's episode when Rory, the first time Rory said that he did not forgive Alice, um, just so satisfying to listen to. And that probably is a really poor reflection on my character, but Finally, somebody really telling Alice these home truths and giving her a good shake and getting her to try and wake up uh, was just wonderful. It was such a relief to say, hear him say all of the things, I guess, that I had been thinking. Um, and uh, that, But I also wanted to say that on Thursday when he kind of uh, laid into her again before he 
uh, went to catch the train. I found that I did find that a bit ugly. Um, so I guess it just felt like a little bit of overkill. But Wednesday was delicious. Um, <laughs> anyway, I hope everybody has a really happy new year uh, and uh, just really great to speak to you all. Take care, everybody. Bye. And you too, uh, Queen Emily, mm. as you referred to the <laughs> kingdom of, of, of Dumpty Dum. Um, right. So um, <clears throat> uh, Emily is split, isn't she? She she found Wednesday's demolition by Rory of Alice delicious, mm. I think she said. And it was wonderful and a relief um, to hear him say all that because it's everything that Emily has been feeling herself towards Alice. But equally, you know, we all felt very uncomfortable, um, didn't she, um, uh, on the Thursday when he really twisted the knife. Mm. And I thought um, it was it was as good as gaslighting, wasn't it, the way he went as he left. Um, you know, it's, it's been a good opportunity to set the record straight, hasn't it, Alice? No, finally uh, he's standing up for himself. When she said, oh, you didn't mm. really mean it. That's a classic Aldridge. Oh, you didn't really mean it. Everything's rosy. Yeah, but then he says, you, he warns her not to relay what he said to her, to Jenny and Brian, and pile on even more pain on them. So he can't do that either. Uh, See you next time, says Alice. <laughs> and he says, who knows, maybe you might not be around. I mean, it's sinister. It was, it was, <laughs> it was it delicious, was sorry. It was delicious. It was great <laughs> <Yeah>. drama. <laughs> But um, it was nasty. Um, and Emily acknowledges perhaps unnecessary. Mm. So this is the, the Moriarty that Adam referred to. I think we've got a Moriarty on it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, present of a travel voucher, you know, go away and stay away. It couldn't get more obvious than that. And Jenny just, mm. again, oblivious to everything. Oh, everything's fine, darling. It's just, yeah. But Emily, it's... Well, she, no, she did say, is everything okay, Alice? And she said, oh... Yep, it's all fine, didn't she? Those are the last words. Nothing to worry about, she said. Yes, I guess she had so to say uh, something because at that point Alice was acting so strangely. Um, yes, I think she knows something's afoot, but she's kidding herself. All is all is fine. Yeah, well, uh, it's like Brian. He's he's there to pour the drinks and make the coffee, and then off off he goes. <laughs> it would have been nice to have heard his input on things, but it might have just added to the. Oh yeah, I'm missing yeah. Brian. God, when, we, when are we going to have some more Brian? We need more. But Brian. we've been missing Emily, and we've got Emily back now calling in. So maybe Brian will be yeah. next. But there we go. Those are the calls. But you can also send us an email or a text if you prefer. So how can Dumpty Dummers do that, Quentin? <laughs> Yes, you're very welcome to send a text to 07957 167696. Don't forget, if you're texting from outside the UK, to add a plus 44. Or if you prefer to send an email, visit the dumptydum.com website and click the Contact Us tab at the top of the page. Remember, just for the next podcast, please get your calls, emails and texts in by 7pm this Friday. And remember, you need to be 18 or over to submit any views or comments. Um, as Philippa alluded to earlier, apologies for the myriad of deadlines next week. But uh, put simply, it's this, normal calls, emails, texts in by 7pm on Friday. Questions to Stephen Fry, our special guest, by midday on Thursday. And so we go from our caller innerers to our email innerer. And our email is from Charles. In fact, Quentin, I've got to say, I've had someone contact me, say their favourite part of Dum Dum recently 
has been, uh, I think it was Charles's last email when he scripted the discussion between David and Ruth, which we then delivered so badly. It was, I thought it was painful, but... We didn't, we did maul it. Yes, but he's got Um, another script for us to read. The man's generosity knows no bounds. Um, are we going to demolish this one Should as well? We, I mean, if we do it in accents, we'll we're going to offend to. everybody, but we, we'll give it a go. And sorry for all the offence we're going right. to cause with these accents. Yeah. Um, right. So Charles titles this, A Conversation in the Car. He said, My wife, Jan, and I were driving to her parents' house in Rockville, Maryland, for Christmas dinner. Halfway on our journey from Washington's Capitol Hill neighbourhood, where we live, she brought up the topic of June Spencer, who plays Peggy Woolley. I'm worried about her. She's 102. Don't fret. Peggy's role is played by an AI. Since when? 2014. Peggy's been on the arches for so long that there's months of recordings of her. It was easy to run a machine learning algo on them. Any other AI characters? Adam Macy, he's so predictably bland, he was an obvious choice. In fact, the program was converted into an AI for free. Too easy, they said. But Adam's a changed man. He loves digging up potatoes. All in the algo, he had a 1 in 1,487 chance of becoming interesting, or at least developing momentarily an interesting facet to his character. What about Tom? Well, the programmers concluded that Tom could become plausibly interesting in a Hubble time. What's a Hubble time? It's the inverse of Hubble's constant, which characterizes the expansion of the universe. It's 14.4 billion years. <laughs> oh, Charles. Do you know, I just sounded like I knew what I was talking about. It was then. fairly impressive, your accent, Quentin, whereas mine was downright awful. But fabulous scripting, Charles. Keep, please keep them it coming was. for us to discuss. Can we get him to write the review of the week every week? Save me doing it. <laughs> just please, Charles, keep keep sending those emails. Thank you. Oh, great. Anyway, thank you all for your calls and emails. We value them so much. Keep them coming, please. Um, and now we must go on to briefly to Dumdy Bookdum. And this week we have Francis Quinn, author of The Smallest Man. So Francis Quinn, author of The Smallest Man, welcome to Dumdy Book Dum. I, I believe you've got a bit of an Archer's story. I have. I think I've probably got a unique Archer's experience in that um, many years ago I was features editor on Woman's Weekly and it was I was a big Archer's fan and the Archer's press office knew that. So when Elizabeth was getting engaged to Nigel, which was a very big story at the time, mm. the BBC wanted to launch it almost like a royal engagement. So I was granted the Nigel and Elizabeth engagement interview and had a lovely lunch with um, Alison Dowling and Graham Seed. Quite bizarre in that I was sort of interviewing them as Elizabeth and Nigel, and yet obviously they're not. So it was quite odd, you know, I had to ask them about, because Elizabeth and Nigel had been friends for a very long time. Mm. It was was almost the rom-com scenario of, you know, friends turned to lovers. And so I was asking them about, you know, when they knew they'd fallen in love and (laughs) and all that kind of thing, which was quite weird because obviously Alison and Graham had never fallen in love. Um, but yeah, it was great. And they're lovely, very, very nice people. So so that was a lot of fun. And did they know exactly what to say in response to all those questions? They really did, because they had both been playing the characters for a long time. And I think I've interviewed quite a lot of Archer's actors and they 
they know how to separate themselves. You know, they just, Shula doesn't think she's Shula, particularly as in real life she's married to Brian. Um, but they can also inhabit those characters because they've been doing it for so long. Mm. So it's a bit like with an author where someone says, well, what would be your character's favourite colour? And you should know. And they're like that as well. They really know the characters they play. And I think that's part of the secret of the Archers, really. That's why we believe in the characters mm. so much and love them so much. That. That's wonderful. I can just picture you there having this this lunch. I don't. If it was me, I wouldn't have eaten much. I'd have just been asking prob- so many I probably questions. I didn't. I probably didn't because I was quite excited. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we must just talk about about your wonderful book. Can you give the listeners a brief summary of it? So, the smallest man is set in seventeenth century England, and it's inspired by a true story. And it's about uh, the main character, Nat Davy is sold by his father at the age of 10 and he becomes a court dwarf at the court of Charles I just as the country begins to slide into the civil war that will end with the death of the king. And it's, I'm not a big history buff, but I absolutely loved it. It was one of my top books for 2021. So uh, yes, an excellent book. Francis Quinn, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And so to Facebook and our lovely Dumpty Dum community there as we sit back for the roundup with our Stephen. Hello, you two. Stephen here with the Social Media Roundup. This week in Ambridge started with the first part of the Ambridge Mystery Plays, and by and large, Dumpty Dummers enjoyed it. I thought it was great, said Sheila English. It reminded me of parts of the nativity story I'd forgotten about, with a few Ambridge references thrown in. David did a marvellous job as evil King Herod, who knew he was such a good actor. Sarah Evans said, Just listened to the first mystery play and couldn't help thinking how proud Nick would have been of Mia. She was perfect as Mary. What a great casting choice by Linda. I am gobblesmacked, said Patsy Headley. Very enjoyable. I like the Ambridge bits, moving people on. It's like snakes and ladders. And Hazel Morris was in a similar mood. 
absolutely superb production. I really enjoyed it. Well done, team. Thank you so much. Mark Everton, our very own yokel bear, was almost, but not quite as enthusiastic. I enjoyed it much more than I was expecting, but hope that next year they choose a more traditional choice, like a musical Christmas carol or a stage version of Die Hard, to which Rob Williams responded, Yippee-ki-yay, mucky farmer. And it was Rob Williams who opened up the week's biggest controversy on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group with a post that read, Jenny Darling keeps her eggs in the fridge. We know that Philippa has strong views on the subject, while Quentin prefers his eggs pickled and in a jar on his kitchen counter. But where do the rest of us stand? The responses revealed a transatlantic split. Denise Tomlinson, our lovely Dusty Substances, was firm in her view. Not in fridge, no, not right. There's all my illusions shattered, said Nancy Cern, and Justine Summers agreed, I know, I was shocked. Fiona Goldsmith, who keeps chickens, provided the voice of experience. If you cook with eggs, most recipes expect them to be ambient. Meringues can't be made with chilled eggs. They don't need to be refrigerated. Eggs remain safe and edible for up to three weeks, as long as they aren't kept somewhere warm. From the other side of the village pond, Ruth Pearl noted that in the States, eggs are always refrigerated in stores. Emily Pettingill added, Canadians keep their eggs in the fridge too. When we first moved to the UK, we were mortified that the eggs were just out on the shelves. But it was Joan Dines Reynolds who came up with an explanation that satisfied all sides. In her old house, Jennifer used to keep them in the old stone larder, almost as cool as a fridge. Now, in her tiny rented kitchen, there is simply no room on the tiny countertop to keep eggs, or even a mixer, or blender, or cookery books. Just the kettle and the coffee maker, and that's it. When is Jenny going to get a decent kitchen of her own again? Much less controversial was the return of a voice from the past. Jackie Fear responded eloquently, Oh Mike, please move back. Sheila Leonora Lucas was transported back to 2005. Still remember how shocked I felt when Mike's wife Betty died, she said. My late auntie spoke to me that day, an Archers fan. I hadn't listened that day. After hearing it, I rang her and she said... I knew you didn't know. I was ringing because I was upset, and I knew you would be too. Hope Mike and family do return. Need to hear some familiar voices. Quentin made some comments implying that there might be some sort of trouble between Mike Tucker and Vicky, but Dumpty Dummers pushed back firmly. Witherspoon noted that he did say he was enjoying being in Birmingham more than he'd anticipated, and Vicky has always been pretty easygoing most of the time. And Jan Newman added... All I can say is, wahoo, Mike is back. I would love to hear from Vicky, but I doubt that's going to happen. I'd be very disappointed if their marriage was on the rocks. I really like them as a couple. And finally we turn to Rory, and a great deal of speculation about where he was getting the money that he was splashing on presents for his family. I polled Dumpty Dummers on the subject, and more than 150 of you responded. The second most popular theory, with 44 votes was Rory's own suggestion, something, something, something cryptocurrency. But the clear winner, with 97 votes, was that he has become a gigolo, or something along those lines. What that says about those who contribute to our Facebook group is something I will leave for you to consider. But whether you agree or disagree with the poll results, I'd encourage all of you who haven't joined to join in, and all of you who, who have to keep making your great contributions to one of the happiest places on social media. 
And on that bombshell, I'll hand you back to the studio. Thank you, Stephen, and to everyone who's posted on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. It is. It is such a great community. It is. And um, I, I do have my concerns about Mike and Vicky. Uh, Stephen was quite right to pick up on that. Um, you know, why, why is he hanging around doing up the bungalow mm. for flapjack and cakes mm. and a few beers? Mm. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, we're also on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. You'll see our team always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. So please try and use that in all your tweets. Also try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet and that helps keep our community growing still further. As well as at Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at QuickBookReview with a three instead of a W. How about you, Quentin? You'll find me at 13 Minute Man. That's one three minute man. And now it's that time to crown the tweeters of the week. Yes, in bronze, we have a woman who is lying horizontal. It's Bernadette Hawks, not on the Ambridge PC, at Archers underscore fan 2015. Morning all. She she posted this morning during Tweet Along. Still in bed. I don't care if some folk disapprove. <laughs> yes. And, and somebody then tagged on a poll that had been done by at BBC Archers, and apparently the latest last poll showed that 46% of people who listen to the Omnibus are actually listening in bed. There we go. So only 50, only 54% of us are up. You're up, I bet you are. Philip, well, you? yeah, because I've got to get the dog walked and done and family organised before I record yeah. Dumpty Dum, but otherwise I would be, yeah. yes, in my loungewear, as they say. That's the new word now <laughs> since lockdown. It's, uh, it's a whole range of loungewear, which is basically pyjamas for out of bed. Right, okay. But you can but dream of lying in bed listening to the omnibus. One day... Well, the dog's already just tried to break in to my room while we're recording this. I don't know if you heard. Uh, So, Ah, yes, there's there's no no hope. There's no hope. (laughs) Anyway, well, so that gets you your bronze, Bernadette. In silver, we've got uh, this tweet from Helen Sib at Helen Sib, C-Y-B. And she says, uh, Rory's problem is that there are too many different spellings for his name. I can see 10 variants in as many tweets. And she's absolutely right. I think there are more than 10. It's ridiculous. Why can they? Hang on, Quentin. I know I'm recording this, but the dog's come up again. No, Give me so one the, minute. The Hang in. on. Oh. And the dog wins the gold doing? tweet. Why are you coming up right? If you lie there, don't snore, all right? Yes, you're lovely. She is actually talking to the dog, folks, not me. Please. Sorry, Quentin. Sorted, um, all right. She's come up. She's lying on the bed. Just stay there. So... Sorry, all done now. Dog, dog's sitting looking at me accusingly and I've told her not to snore, so right, hopefully just, we'll be okay. I've just awarded the dog the gold tweet, but... Um, <laughs> no, no, the, I'm the sorry. The gold intervention. But we have a gold tweet, yes, yeah, and it well, comes from Let Love Win Esquire at All This and Less. And you'll like this one, Philippa. It was Rory in the sitting room with a weaponized Christmas gift. <laughs> yes. Yes. There we go. Bravo. And the well, correct spelling of Rory, by the way, is R-U-A-I-R-I. Okay. Yes. According to the Archer's website. Thank you for that. Uh, now, now we all we all know. But we need to go to the final part of the quiz to discover just how well you all did. So, so the first question in this New Year quiz was: Which family completed a house move in time for New Year 2019? 
And the answer is Jenny and Brian. They moved from Hoban Farm House to Willow Farm Cottage. And they had to get out so the gills could move in <coughs> and have their New Year party. I went, I went, that means I don't finish with well zero. Done, Thank eh? goodness for that. Right. Oh, question two. Uh, what came to earth with a bang at New Year 2011? It was Nigel. Mm. Yes. Yeah. He fell off the roof. Mm-hmm. No, and question number three. At New Year's Eve ball, at the New Year's Eve ball, December 2014, Helen was stunned to see which couple kissing. And the couple was oh. Adam and Charlie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Which caused problems later because um, Ian wasn't happy that she'd she'd kept that to herself. Yes, I was just saying mm. we need another illicit love affair, and uh, yes, mm, it's a while you ago. Were, that you? One. Yeah, you came up. You came. You came up with Brian and um, who's the new uh, manager at Home Farm? Yeah, that's what your that was your suggestion for no, it Brian wasn't. and Stella for an illicit affair. Yes, you said that I on the podcast. I didn't the other say week. Brian and Stella. Rewind. I didn't. I, didn't. I came up you with did. somebody else, Justin and Shula. <gasps> no. Yeah. <laughs> really? What, I was trying to come up with oh, a really God. extreme um, love affair that was kept quiet and was a shock. And who knew? Did Lillian know? And something that I was trying to think of the, the most incompatible people as well um, who'd be having lots of business meetings. Shula and the Bishop. <laughs> 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 but oh, I don't ooh, think yeah. that would happen, really. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to get Kate on these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we? Question four, aren't we? Um, what emergency surgery did Helen need at New Year 2011? Helen needed a caesarean section because that's when Henry was born. And Amy identified she was coming down with preeclampsia and... She yeah. needed a caesarean section urgently. And we all knew something was going to happen in that episode, but we didn't know... Just I, how much. I, I thought it was going to be the person that, that died would be Helen, but of course it it, it wasn't. It was... Surprisingly. Poor old Nigel, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes. question. that was question number four. Question five, whose wedding took place on the 1st of January 1991? Oh, it's a romantic story. Jack, Willie and Peggy got married on the 1st uh, of January. Yeah. At St. Stephen's, I think. Another wedding on the 1st of January. Mm. Goodness, mm. So many yeah. weddings. And, of course, now this is all coming full circle with Hazel. Yes. Mm. Um, 30 years ago, and they bring in an old storyline, <laughs> don't they? They're very good <laughs> like that. Okay, um, where are we? Uh, question yes. six, are we? Question, uh, six. question six. Who turned 77 on the 7th of January? And the answer is Jenny. She, she was born on the 7th of January, 1945. Oh, I put Eddie. Eddie's close to that. I think isn't so. Is he a wee bit younger? Yeah. I, think, mm. I think. I think. He is 73. But none of them really are. Yes. They, they don't seem like 77. Like Jenny's sort of eternally youthful, I think. No, you're right. You're right. And anyway, these days the 70s are just the new 40s. So I. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She'll be telling her that. She'll be telling herself that. Yeah, I'll, that I'll, age, yeah. I'll tell her. I'll tell Jenny her. is ageless, <laughs> but, but she's 77 on the 7th, but she's ageless. And June Spencer, the actress, 102. 
102. That, yes, Peggy yes, that's just incredible. I'm playing it very well as well. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Well, that question had all the sevens in. So let's go to question seven, which was, why was New Year 1994 such a memorable time for the Carter family? And the answer is Susan was still in prison. Mm. She'd been put in prison just before Christmas. The Ambridge won. <laughs> yes, get the T-shirt. Yeah, Thank goodness there's only one. Yeah. Right. Uh, question eight. Grey Gables hosted a wedding on New Year's Day 2012 for which couple? And and this surprised me until I found it. It was Will and Nick. Oh, 2012. Yes, yes. 2012, yes. Um, Will and Nick got married at Grey Gables. And there was a storyline about the cake. Um, Joe drove the cake to Grey Gables on a, in Bartleby, his trap pulled by Bartleby, and you thought the yes. cake was going to break, but then it got into Grey Gables and Caroline fell <laughs> over it. And 2012. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Superb. Yes. Blimey. The cake. Cakes are, cakes are a theme which we like. Well, you've got, I suppose you got that one, didn't you? Because no, I didn't have that one. I, I No. I hold wow. my hands up. I've and I've, I've wow. got Brenda's archives to thank for that one. Um, because <laughs> when I was looking for New Year themed questions, I was just sort of typing in early January dates into Brenda's website. Yeah. And, and that came up and I had forgotten all about that. Well, and another one that happened about New Year. So question nine was, who was born on New Year's Eve 1975? And he's no longer around. It's the late John Archer. Mm. Oh. Born 31st December, 1975. Right. right. Okay. And finally, to put us out of our misery, Kate, question number 10. What event shocked Ambridge on the 1st of January, 2021? And we'll all remember this one. Kirsty got arrested. Yes. Exactly. Eating and abetting her yeah. wicked husband. Yes. We were all waiting for what was going to happen in that episode. And, uh, mm-hmm. There it was. Mm-hmm. Off she was taken. Yeah. She was swooped off. She was, indeed. <laughs> oh, that was great. So, Quentin, how did you do on that one? Um, I'd, I'd like to say there's an improvement on the Christmas Day uh, quiz, but I'm afraid I've slightly slipped. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, <clears throat> I got the first two. I only got Good. I got six. Good. So uh, why are we hosting Dumpty Dum, Quentin? We need to be sent back to school. (laughs) Well, to be fair... I can't remember yesterday. I mean, let alone 1991, whatever this question five was about. Exactly. They're they're going back a long, long time. And how would you know that? It's just that I picked out new things. I just just forget all the weddings. They just blur into one. And also I... uh, Certain dates and years merge into each other. And you get out of... Mm. You're surprised how how current some things are or how far away others are. Mm. And um, you might remember the storyline, yeah. but would you actually remember what year it was? I, I tend not to. Mm. No, I remember storylines. I can't tell you, yeah. Exactly when. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I did extremely well getting two out of ten. <laughs> you did. Um, and you, you can you, you eat all the chocolates, Philippa, because you've got six out of ten. Well, um <laughs> I don't think I've got that. already. Yeah, so they're, they're gone. And I'm sure people are shouting at us saying that they've all got 10 out of 10, but never mind. Oh, no, Kate, I must be. just ask. What the hell are those? Yeah, they'll be saying, what the hell are those two doing presenting the Exactly. Podcast? Kate, I must just ask, <laughs> um, what is your Twitter account name so people know where to find you? It's Kate underscore Crichton. 
and that's Crichton spelt the same way as Michael Crichton. No relation. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thanks, Kate. Well, Kate, you've been marvellous. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you Thank so you. much for having me. It's been an absolute yeah. delight. Thank you. It's, it's great we sort of lifted it up, lifted it from the, the tweet along, haven't we? And humanised this very famous quiz. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. so thank Thanks you, so much, Kate. Yeah. And uh, wishing you all the best for, for you and your family for 2022. And you too. You too in 22. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Kate. Well, we need to start saying our goodbyes for this week. Uh, thanks again to Stephen for his amazing tune and to Kate for the quiz, to Rob, God Squad Mia, Catherine, formerly Cycling Christine, Bernadette, Witherspoon, Claire from Clapham, El Emily from Canada, Charles, the author Francis Quinn for all their contributions. Thanks also to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. So what will be revealed next week? Will Ambridge become a place where money has no value and all work is compensated simply by a supply of flapjacks and lemon drizzle cake? Will Rory announce in a significant plot twist that actually he does like sherry, just not on Christmas Day? Will Jenny launch her new range of everything is absolutely fine if I just say darling enough times, tea towels and oven mitts? And will Linda's llamas have their own Instagram account and an agent before the end of the day? All will be revealed next week. But for now, it's a thank you and a bye-bye from me. And while I'm off to concentrate on catchment-sensitive farming, don't forget to send us your questions for Stephen Fry by Thursday and calls by Friday. Bye-bye. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.